0: Section twenty of Celebrated Travels and Travelers Volume two. This is a Librivox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Piotr Natter. Celebrated Travels and Travellers, Volume 2. Great Navigators of the 18th century. By Jules Verne. First part, Chapter 5. Part one. Captain Cook's Third Voyage. 1A search for the lands discovered by the french kerguland islands stay at van diemen's land queen's Charlotte strait palmerston island great rejoicings in the tonga islands at this date the idea which had sent so many explorers to greenland was in full force the question of the existence of a northern passage between the atlantic and the pacific by way of the asiatic or american coasts was eagerly discussed and should such a passage exist was it practicable for ships the attempt had quite lately been made to discover this outlet in hudson or baffin bays and it was now determined to seek it in the pacific the task was an arduous one the lords of the admiralty felt that it was essential to send out a navigator who had experience of the dangers of the polar seas and one who had shown presence of mind in the face of danger one moreover whose talents experience and scientific knowledge might be of use in the powerful equipment then in course of preparation in captain cook alone were all the requisite qualities to be found the command was offered to him and although he might have passed the remainder of his days in peace at his post in the greenwich observatory in the full enjoyment of the honour and glory he had gained by his two voyages round the world he did not hesitate for a moment two ships the resolution and the discovery were placed under his command the latter was under the orders of captain clerke and the equipment of both was similar to that of the last expedition the instructions given to the commander of the expedition enjoined his reaching the cape of good hope and steering south in search of the islands recently discovered by the french in forty eight degrees of latitude towards the meridian of the island of mauritius He was then to touch at New Zealand, if he thought well, to take in refreshments at the Society Islands, and to land the Tahitan Maí there, then to proceed to New Albion, to avoid landing in any of the Spanish possessions in America, and from thence to make his way by the Arctic Ocean to Hudson and Baffin Bays. In other words, he was to look in an easterly direction for the northwest passage. This, once effected, after a stay at kamchatka he was to make another attempt to reach england by the route he might judge most productive of good results for geography and navigation the two vessels did not start together the resolution set sail from plymouth on the twelfth of july seventeen seventy six and was rejoined at the cape of good hope by the discovery on the tenth of the following november she having left england only on the first of august the two ships were detained at the cape until the thirtieth of november by the repairs needed by the discovery much damaged by tempest she required caulking the captain profited by this long delay to buy livestock which he intended to land at tahiti and new zealand and also to stock his vessels with the necessary stores for a two years voyage after steering southwards for twenty days two islands were discovered in forty-six degrees fifty-three minutes south latitude, and thirty-seven degrees forty-six minutes east longitude, the strait which separates them was crossed, and it was found that their steep sterile coasts were uninhabited. They had been discovered with four others, from nine to twelve degrees further east, by the French captains Marion de Fresnes and Crozet, in 1772. On the twenty fourth of december cook found the islands which m de kerguelen had surveyed in his two voyages of seventeen seventy two and seventeen seventy three we will not here relate the observations made by cook upon this group as they agree in every particular with those of m de kerguelen we can reserve them until we relate the adventures of that navigator and content ourselves with remarking that cook surveyed the coasts carefully and left them on the thirty first of december the vessels were enveloped in a thick fog, which accompanied them for more than three hundred leagues. Anchor was cast in Adventure Bay, in Van Diemen's Land, on the twenty-sixth of January. It was the same spot at which Captain Furneaux had touched four years later. The English were visited by a few natives, who received the presents offered to them without showing any satisfaction. The narrative says, They were of ordinary height, but rather slightly built. Their skin was black, and their hair of the same color, and as woolly as that of the Negroes of New Guinea, but they had not the thick lips or flat noses of African Negroes. There was nothing disagreeable in their features, and their eyes struck us as beautiful. So did their teeth, but they were very dirty. Most of them anointed their hair and beards with a yellow ointment, and some even rubbed their faces with the same stuff concise as this account is it is not the less valuable the race of tasmanians is extinct the last of them died a few years ago cook weighed anchor on the thirtieth of january and took up his station at his usual point in queen charlotte's strait the vessels were soon surrounded by pirogues but not a single native ventured to go on board they were so fully persuaded that the english had come to avenge their murdered comrades once convinced that the english had no such intentions they banished their mistrust and reserve the captain soon found out by my interpretation he understanding the zealand language the right cause of this terrible catastrophe it appeared that the english had been seated on the grass taking their evening meal when the natives committed several thefts one of them was caught and struck by a sailor at his cry his companions rushed upon the sailors of the Adventure, who killed two of them but unfortunately succumbed to numbers several of the zealanders pointed out to cook the chief who had directed the carnage and urged cook to kill him but to the great surprise of the natives and the stupefaction of Mai, the captain refused Mai remarked in england they kill a man who assassinates another this fellow killed ten and you take no revenge before he left cook landed pigs and goats hoping that these animals might at length become acclimatized to new zealand mai had a wish to take a new zealander to tahiti two offered to go and cook agreed to receive them warning them at the same time that they would never see their native land again but no sooner had the vessels lost sight of the shores of new zealand than they began to weep sea-sickness added to their distress but as they recovered from it their sadness disappeared and they soon attached themselves to their new friends. An island named Mangea was discovered on the twenty-ninth of March. At Mai's representations, the inhabitants decided to come on board. Small but vigorous and well-proportioned, they wore their hair knotted upon the top of the head. They wore long beards, and were tattooed in all parts of their bodies. Cook could not carry out his earnest wish to land, as the people were too hostile a new island similar to the last was discovered four leagues further on the natives appeared more friendly than those of mangea and cook profited by this fact and landed a detachment under lieutenant gore with Mai as interpreter anderson the naturalist an officer named barnes and Mai landed alone and unarmed running the risk of being maltreated They were received with solemnity, and conducted through a crowd of men, with clubs on their shoulders, to the presence of three chiefs, whose ears were adorned with red feathers. They soon perceived a score of women who danced in a grave and serious fashion, paying no attention to their arrival. The officers were separated from each other, and observing that the natives hastened to empty their pockets, they began to entertain fears for their safety, when Mai reappeared they were detained all day and forced several times to take their clothes off and allow the natives to examine the color of their skin but night arrived at last without the occurrence of any disagreeable incident the visitors regained their sloop and cocoa bananas and other provisions were brought to them the english may have owed their safety to the description Mai had given of the power of their weapons and the experiment he made before them of setting fire to a cartridge Mai had recognized three of his fellow-countrymen in the crowd on the beach. These Tahitans had started in a pirogue to reach Ulita Island and had been driven out of their course by contrary winds, as they expected a short voyage. They had not provided themselves with food, famine and fatigue had reduced their number to four men, all of them half dead when the pirogue capsized. The unfortunate wretches managed to seize the side of their boat and support themselves in the water until they were picked up by the inhabitants of this island, Waterloo. It was now twelve years since fate threw them upon this shore, more than two hundred leagues from their native island. They had contracted family ties and friendly alliances with these people, whose manners and language were not unlike their own. They refused to return to Tahiti. Cook says we may find in this incident a better explanation of the way in which detached portions of the globe and particularly the islands of the pacific have been peopled than in any other theories especially in regard to those which are far from any other continent and at a great distance from each other waterloo island is situated in twenty degrees one minute south latitude and two hundred and one degree forty five minutes east longitude The two vessels afterwards reached a neighboring island called Wenoa, upon which M. Gore landed to get fodder. Although the ruins of houses and tents were seen, it was uninhabited. On the 5th of April Cook arrived in sight of Harvey Island, which he had discovered during his second voyage in 1773. At this time it appeared to him deserted. He was therefore astonished to see several pirogues leave the shore and approach the ships but the natives could not find courage to go on board. Their fierce appearance and noisy offers did not promise well for their friendly intentions. Their language was still more like that of Tahiti than that of the last island they had visited. Lieutenant King was sent in search of good anchorage, but could not succeed in finding a suitable harbor. The natives, armed with spears and clubs, appeared disposed to resent any attempts at landing cook in his great need of wood and water determined to reach the friendly islands he was sure of finding refreshments for his men and forage for his beasts there the season was too far advanced and the distance between these latitudes and the pole too great to allow of anything being attempted in the southern hemisphere the wind obliged him to relinquish his idea of reaching middleborough or eoa as he had at first intended he therefore directed his course towards palmerston island where he arrived on the fourteenth of april and where he found birds in abundance scurvy grass and cocoa-nuts this island was merely a collection of nine or ten islets very slightly raised appearing almost like the points of reefs belonging to one coral bank the english reached comango island on the twenty eighth of april and the natives brought them quantities of cocoa-nuts bananas and other stores they then proceeded to Anamoca which is also part of the tonga or friendly archipelago on the sixth of may a chief of tonga tobou named finaou visited cook he called himself king of all the friendly islands i received says cook a present from this great personage of two fish which were brought to me by one of his servants i paid him a visit after dinner he came to meet me as soon as he saw me land he appeared some thirty years of age tall and of slender form and i have met no countenance in these islands so european in type when all the provisions of this island were exhausted cook visited a group of islets called hapae where his reception was friendly owing to the orders given by Finao, and where he procured pigs water fruits and roots some of the native warriors exhibited their skills in various singular combats with clubs and boxing what most surprised us says the narrative was to see two great women enter the lists and attack each other with their fists without the least ceremony and with as much skill as the men their fight lasted about half a minute when one of them declared herself beaten the victorious heroine received as much applause from the assembled multitude as is usually accorded to a man who has overcome his rival by his skill and address there was no cessation of the fets and games A dance was executed to the sound of two drums or rather of two hollow trunks by a hundred and five performers supported by a vocal choir cook reciprocated these demonstrations by putting his soldiers through their artillery exercises and letting off fireworks which produced indescribable astonishment in the minds of the natives not wishing to be outdone in the attempt at display the natives gave a concert and then a dance executed by twenty women, crowned with china roses. This magnificent ballet was followed by another performance by fifteen men. But we shall never end if we attempt to give an account of the wonders of this enthusiastic reception. It justly gained for the Tonga archipelago the name of friendly islands. On the twenty-third, Fina'o'u, who had represented himself as king of the entire archipelago, came to inform Cook of his departure for the neighboring island of Vavao he had excellent reasons for this as he had just heard of the arrival of the real sovereign named futtafaeh or poulaho cook at first refused to recognize the newcomer in this character but he soon had irrefutable proof that the title of king belonged to him poulaho was extremely stout which with his short height made him look like a barrel if rank is proportioned to size in these islands he was without exception the greatest chief the english had met with intelligent grave and dignified he examined the vessel and everything that was new to him in detail put judicious questions and inquired into the motives of the arrival of these vessels his followers objected to his descending below decks saying that it was taboo and that it was not allowed for any one to walk over his head cook however promised through the interpreter May that no one should be allowed to walk over his cabin and so Polajo dined with the captain he ate little and drank still less and invited cook to land with him the marks of respect lavished upon paulajo by all the natives convinced cook that he had been entertaining the real sovereign of the archipelago End of section twenty.